Self-compassion for the caregiver means pausing, acknowledging that we have needs. Yes, we do. And we are responsible for advocating for ourselves and meeting those needs. Hi, brave friends. Welcome to a solo episode with me, Jessica Pate, your host. I don't often do these solo episodes, but this was so on my heart for so long. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put this into an episode and we can add it to our library of resources and inspiration for you. I started off 2022 by reading and studying self-compassion. And then to add to that, I took this amazing soul care coaching course meant for coaches and therapists or really anybody who was interested in learning more about soul care with Susie Lula, who's an amazing author, speaker, and spiritual coach and spiritual therapist. And There's just so much that I've learned, and I really, really think that this is key for us as human beings and definitely as caregivers in the midst of extreme caregiving and chronic hardship. I really believe in three keys to thriving amidst our stories, our chronic stories of altered parenthood. Number one is practicing self-compassion. Practicing self-compassion is the hub from which everything else will flow. And what flows from that are the other keys, in my opinion, which are connection to self and others, having community, and then engaging in soul care practices. Kristen Neff is the guru of self-compassion, and that's whose book and other resources I have had an opportunity to dive into. And hopefully we could get her to come to the podcast. Wouldn't that be amazing? But she says, through self-compassion, we become an inner ally instead of an inner enemy. I share this quote specifically because I know that when you have a child with exponential needs, the expectations that we place on ourselves, the judgment that we can place on ourselves also becomes exponential. We always feel like we need to do more and more and more for our child to see them succeed or hit milestones or make progress. And we are so hard on ourselves. I think mothers in general can be very, very hard on themselves. We really want to cultivate being inner allies to ourselves in the midst of hard times. Because if we engage in self-compassion, we will treat ourselves with tenderness rather than beating ourselves up about our child's struggles or not hitting certain milestones or progressions. If we engage in self-compassion, we will recognize that we are worthy of investing in. If we engage in self-compassion, we will invest in our need for self-connection and being grounded. If we engage in self-compassion, we will practice self-care, or rather soul care, as I like to say. If we engage in self-compassion, we will recognize our needs. We will recognize our need for meaningful, safe connections and seek them out. If we engage in self-compassion, we will recognize that we cannot do this journey alone and that community with others who get it is critical. I believe that self-compassion reminds us that we are worthy of investing in our own mental health, 
which is then boosted by connection and community and soul care practices. When we practice self-compassion, we are treating ourselves with so much love, care, warmth, kindness, and gentleness. And if we are practicing self-compassion, then there's going to be less and less room for self-judgment and self-criticism and self-abandonment. I audaciously say that as caregivers, we are the most important people in the family, and we tend to put ourselves last due to cultural indoctrination that we must give, 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 and do, and do, and do, and do, and not think about our own needs. It is so understandable how this happens. Our kids' needs or crises or traumas or emergencies require so much of us. Um, A couple years ago, when we were in the thick of it during the pandemic, and my daughter, Kate, was severely struggling with mental health challenges, I felt like every inch of my day was filled, physically, mentally, emotionally. I was stretched so thin with everyone's needs and trying to work on top of it. I thankfully have been pretty compulsive and committed about exercise my whole life. And trust me, I wanted to throw this out the window. I was taxed. As a recovering perfectionist, I was also heaping gobs of self-judgment on myself because I didn't see it coming with Kate. I didn't see the depression and anxiety. She was hiding it so well. And for a mom who I consider myself to be attuned and intentional, I didn't see it. And then I was just heaping, heaping gobs of self-judgment all over myself. When I was stretched so thin, I didn't want to do anything except watch Netflix, eat sugar, and have a comfy blanket. And then I had compassion on myself, my fatigue, my fear, and all my angst. And I made myself get out for a walk or a jog. I made myself move my body. I made myself journal and meditate even for five minutes. I made myself do the soul care practices that keep me connected to me and sustain me for the long haul of caregiving. Let's go back for a second and talk about what happens when we are delivered a diagnosis or when a mental health crisis hits our family. What happens? We feel shock. We feel sadness. We feel disappointment. We do all the what ifs. There's grief. There's fear. There's comparison. There's resentment. Maybe we feel angry. All the feelings. It can be paralyzing. I want to teach you a new phrase. Ready? It is so understandable. It's so understandable. I learned this phrase from Susie Lula, who I mentioned to you before. She is a wisdom teacher, and she is incredibly inspirational. This is what practicing self-compassion sounds like in crisis. Imagine saying this to yourself. However weird this sounds, just go with me (laughs) on this. I know it makes me think of like that SNL guy who looked in the mirror and like said positive affirmations, but just go with me, okay? Maybe close your eyes as I say this and just take it in. It's so understandable to feel all these feelings. It's so understandable to feel sad, then hopeful, 
then crushed, then optimistic again. It's so understandable to carry fear, worry, and wonder how this is going to play out for your child, the siblings, your family, your marriage. It's so understandable to compare your crazy life to a neurotypical family and feel resentful. It's so understandable to grieve the life you thought you would have or that you thought your child would have. It's so understandable you feel overwhelmed and exhausted at times. It is so understandable. As I said these statements, what were you feeling in your body? Did anyone out there exhale or feel like some tension left your body? This is the power of self-compassion. Dr. Kristen Neff, the guru of self-compassion, defines it like this. Self-compassion involves acting the same way towards yourself when you are having a difficult time or fail or notice something that you don't like about yourself and treating yourself as you would your best friend. You feel warmth and caring and a desire to help your suffering friend in some way. You offer understanding and kindness rather than judgment. We are infinite containers of compassion for our children and our family and our best friends. We can turn this ocean of compassion onto ourselves, onto our caregiving lives. And we'll be right back. Are you ready for a weekend off? Are you ready to connect with other moms who get you and understand what this altered motherhood journey is all about? Are you ready to learn and laugh and love on other caregiving moms? Well, we are so excited to tell you about all the 2023 retreats that We Are Brave Together is offering in Southern California and a few other locations. In 2023, we are offering seven retreats. Yes, I just said seven. Our retreats only cost $250, and that, my friends, covers housing, food, drinks, snacks, our four speaker sessions, and a fun little goodie bag. If that does not sound possible, we even offer retreat scholarships. We give away three spots at every retreat. Did you know that? All you need to do is apply. Simply fill out an application from our website and email it in to hello at wearebravetogether.org. For more details, please make sure that you are an official member of We Are Brave Together. Just go to our website and fill out the little pop-up form. We cannot wait to be with you at one of our weekend retreats. Rest, respite, and rejuvenation await you. Besides the feeling responses that we talked about earlier, when we receive a diagnosis or when crisis hits, what do we generally do? We go into mama bear mode. We Google. We research. We set appointments. We go to appointments. We seek doctors, specialists, and treatments. We start interventions. We talk to all the experts. Maybe we talk to parents who are further along in a particular diagnosis. Why? Obviously, number one, we want to do what is best for our child. That is the beautiful heart of a parent. But let's go deeper. What other intentions of our caregiving busyness and productivity are there? What are we hoping for? 
I don't know about you, but I might think this, if I can do all these steps and interventions, I can fix, I can be in control and my child will progress, will heal, will hit certain milestones and he or she will be on a successful path. Yes, we want to do all the things. And yet, I want you to know that your worth as a caregiver is not tied to how well your child is doing despite their diagnosis or struggles with mental illness. You do not need to prove your worth, your strength, your bravery by the outcome of your child's story or by how well you are handling the situation. You have worth simply because you exist and you are a beautiful human being. Once we recognize this, I think we become free from that hamster wheel of parental productivity to pause and assess how we want to really spend our energies and our time and not just live on spin cycle for our families. This is what self-compassion tells us and ingrains in our souls. Years ago, when I first began speaking on self-care for the caregiver, I offered lists and lists and lists of ideas, daily practices, bite-sized practices, doable free practices that do deposit into your mental, emotional, and physical health. I would make sure to distinguish between self-comfort and self-care, which I can do now. I do think it's really important to know the difference. Self-comfort practices are those things like watching Netflix, having a glass of wine, eating some dark chocolate, getting your nails done, getting a massage. Those things are great, but they only comfort you in the moment. They will not sustain you for the long haul of chronic stress and chronic hardship. Self-care, or I like today to call it soul care, is engaging in practices like yoga, meditation, prayer, exercise, drinking water, a healthy diet, journaling, engaging in activities that light you up or things that ground you and center you. That is true soul care. And those practices are going to help you access joy and peace and centeredness amidst chronic hardship. Fast forward to now, more recent talks that I give, and I'm first and foremost going to talk about self-compassion. Why? Because if you are practicing self-compassion, you will believe that you are worthy of investing in. If you do not believe that you, the parent, are the first priority, it really doesn't matter if I preach to you about all the amazing ways that you can practice self-care and soul care. Because if you are practicing self-compassion, you will recognize that you have needs. Self-compassion for the caregiver means pausing, acknowledging that we have needs. Yes, we do. And we are responsible for advocating for ourselves and meeting those needs. Traditionally, moms tend to be people pleasers. Dads can be too. And people pleasers feel that if their needs conflict with the needs of others, then their needs do not matter. Add to that the indoctrination of martyr motherhood and concierge parenting, and we have a recipe for a total mental and physical crash. Let me tell you a story. I go to yoga. I'm very committed. I've been committed for a long time now. And 
last year, Ryan was complaining about me not being there in the morning. I was going to a 6.30, still do, 6.30 a.m. class twice a week. And Ryan was complaining and whining and tantruming because he wanted me to do his morning routine, even though Chris does a beautiful job and it's seamless. And there was absolutely no reason for his protest, except that he maybe felt out of control or maybe dad does things a little bit different. And pretty much he just didn't like the change because Ryan doesn't like change. So I could have easily given in and said, my needs for yoga are conflicting with Ryan's needs for me to be the one to do his morning routine every single day. And then I said to myself, no, I need this. This grounds me. This helps me to be grateful. And I get to sweat out a bunch of stress. I'm not giving this up. And Chris said, you're not giving this up. And for a few months, we dealt with his protests, his tantrums, whining, crying, all of it. Eventually, it went away. I could have caved. I could have said Ryan's needs are more important than mine, but I didn't. I made a decision. Say this with me. I am a human being, therefore I have needs. It is my job to understand my needs and speak aloud my needs and get my needs met. No one will do this for me. It is my joy and responsibility as a human being worthy of having my needs met. I do have needs. I may have shoved them so far down in the sand that I cannot find them, but I will get a new shovel and a bucket and dig them out today. I know I must take care of me. I must stop treating myself like shit. If you are practicing self-compassion, you will not let pride and fear stop you from seeking connection and community. Connection and community have saved me saved me. I know you guys have heard me say this a thousand times since I launched We Are Brave together. And maybe you've heard this story too. When Ryan was diagnosed at five weeks of age, we contacted the Prader-Willi syndrome, different organizations. And within a couple of days, we received the Lisa phone call. Lisa called to say, hi, I'm going to be your mentor mom and you are not alone. Chris and I went to our first support group when Ryan was two months old, and we met our tribe of Prader-Willi syndrome families and couples. And I've been on a thread with six other moms who all have children with PWS, and it's saved me. I can vent. I can share. I can ask questions. I can seek resources. I can laugh with them about just this crazy genetic disorder that we're all trying to manage. I wouldn't be here today without the key people in the PWS or mental health community that I have created for myself. This is why I launched We Are Brave Together, so that moms wouldn't feel alone and could be among others who get it. You know my mantra, girlfriends who get you are sacred and mandatory, period. In the mental health and addiction arena, if there are any parents listening who have children with those battles, I want to say there is still stigma. And it is really hard to stand up and say, my kid is struggling and I need a friend who has been going through this. You can't exactly do that on social media. I get that. When Kate's depression and anxiety first came to light, I was first of all just shocked and scared and afraid of judgment. 
And then I wondered who the heck I was going to talk to. Who was I going to find that I could share about this? Because I wanted to protect Kate. It's her story. But I also needed, desperately needed, support. I chose to share with my sister and a longtime bestie who also happened to be a therapist. But I really needed to talk to a mom who had been through this. I remembered a mom that I met through We Are Brave who was super open about her daughter's mental health struggles. I called her up and get this. I pretended I was inquiring about resources for another mom in We Are Brave together. We went on a walk. She's a local friend, so we went on a walk one day so I could ask her more questions. And then I just blurted out, it's Kate. It's Kate who's struggling. We need those resources. And I started crying. It felt so good to get it out. Stephanie became my person, and she walked through a couple of years of this journey with me, and she's still somebody that I can call upon to this day. It is so comforting and freeing to be in this together with others. No, this is not a club we ever wanted to be in, and yet so much beauty and meaning can come out of this as we share our stories and experiences together. I want to end by sharing what self-compassion says. Self-compassion says, I know you're scared to share what is going on with your family, and yet you need someone to confide in. You need a mentor. You need a support group. You need to know you are not alone. Self-compassion says, I know it feels like your kid has all the problems, and he or she is the one that needs healing, and yet you need and deserve help and healing too. Self-compassion says, I know it feels like you're the only family in this high school or city or suburb that is battling this, and yet you are not alone. And there are parents who are ready to support you and share their story. Self-compassion says, I know you feel like you have no time and all your time should go to your family and work needs, and yet if you burn out, the whole family ship goes down too. So please take care of you. Self-compassion says, I know you feel shame and blame about your child's struggle with depression, anxiety, or drugs, and yet there are a million factors out of your control. You are not to blame. You are not a bad mother. Maybe you made some mistakes, as all parents do, and you can practice self-forgiveness and experience freedom. Self-compassion says, I know you didn't see this coming, and you are not a mind reader. Now that you do know that your child is suffering, you can make choices to learn, to grow, to heal yourself, and support your child towards stability and happiness. I believe with all my heart, if you are practicing self-compassion, then you, dear friends, will be free or freer of guilt, shame, blame, or self-judgment about your child's needs or struggles or differences or disabilities I believe you will seek to be connected to yourself and will stay grounded. I believe you will seek meaningful connection with others. I believe you will find community and support and validation and engage in soul care practices that sustain your mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual and relational health for the long haul of caregiving. When we cultivate a state of loving, connected presence, It can truly change our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our crisis or hardship, 
our relationship with our child, and our relationship with the world around us. Who is ready to start practicing self-compassion today? Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. And we offer retreat scholarships. We represent all 50 of the United States and 21 countries around the world. We are here to remind you that you are not alone. You are braver and stronger than you think, and that girlfriends who get you are sacred and mandatory. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you.